Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Mackey, and I'm joined today with Pastor Mac, by Pastor Mac, I should say, and Josh Kugel, Pastor Josh Kugel. And we're going to be talking about our favorite experiences today of the wedding ceremony. And, you know, Josh, before you start, I just thought of this um, as I was introducing. I've been on pastors' discussion boards before, and I've actually heard some pastors or read some pastors' comments who say that they would prefer to do a funeral to a wedding. So yeah, it's a lot less work. Yeah. Well, let's say, let's just go from there and let's say that like, hopefully things get better from here. How's that? Yeah. Um, for, for the first thing I'm going to say is, is there are a lot of things they don't teach you in, 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 I don't know, Bible college, college, seminary and all. I think one of them weddings that we need to look at a little more theology behind weddings and all. And also they don't teach you funerals. They don't teach you altar calls a lot and things like that. And I remember my, my first Sunday to church, somebody asked to be anointed with oil and um, I had no clue what I was doing. And so uh, I think as pastors get around and talk about these things, it's kind of interesting because we've all developed on our own and from study and from research, kind of the way we look at, at things like weddings. And so um, one of my favorite things to do is a wedding, but you're right, Pete, it's a lot more work. I think I've probably done close to 100 funerals. Um, I kind of know that it's different when you do a funeral for a funeral home because the family doesn't have a pastor than when it is that you do one for your friend. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, a lot different, but weddings, I, I think, are the same way. But the one thing is that God invites us or we, we get invited to represent God in a ceremony that largely becomes secular, that has more become uh, about the after event than the event itself. And we have an opportunity to kind of speak God's goodness and God's grace into uh, a, a, a couple to, um, you know, I, I, mand I mandatory or make mandatory some marriage counseling. And so, you know, I just thought, let's talk about weddings a little bit. And so as I talk about weddings, I love, uh, I, I meet with them. I do a, um, a marriage counseling based on a, a curriculum called Focus. Um, and we talk about, and you have to, they, they do inventories and you, you know, you take like an ACT test based on what I like and what I don't like. And then what I do as a pastor is I get a printout of the comparison of what the couple looks like on paper and where they agree and where they don't agree. Um, and then I get to take the next couple of weeks and just talk through their disagreements and then to talk through things that they haven't ever talked about before. You'd be surprised at how many people are considering marriage and they, they have talked about kids, but they haven't talked about how they want to discipline their kids or, um, or, or, you know, things like that, or what they think, uh, where they think their kids should go to school. And, you know, and so I, I just thought that was important. So let me talk, let's start with this. Pre-marriage counseling. Do you guys require it? Uh, tell me a good story about it. Um, let's start from there. I, I think my favorite was I used to do the 16PF personality inventory, and I had one individual. Normally, the test takes half hour, 
he took the test for two and a half hours because he's always super anxious and he has a strong, strong perfectionism in him. And, you know, the, one of the questions was like, would you give so-and-so money if he came to the door, if it looked like it was going to benefit someone? And of course, he'd go through all the if, ands, and buts, and whys, you know. And so it was like, I finally decided if I had somebody like that, we ain't going to give that inventory. We're going to do something different. Because <laughs> you could hear uh, him and hawing in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been kind of, I'm going to come at this a little bit different angle, just because I've been put in different types of situations. Um, Don, you're a longtime pastor at that church where you are now. Um, you've, you've probably married generations of generations of people. Yeah, I basically, I'm starting to work on the kids of the ones who I've married earlier. Yeah, I am starting to do that. Yeah, and, and um, Josh, a couple of the churches, I don't know how large your church is now, but I know that when you were pastoring up in this area here in Ohio, your church was significantly larger than any of the churches I pastored put together. So um, what I would find is that I would get the odd calls, you know, from people's mothers, sisters, cousins who knew that, you know, there was some type of connection here to the church, or I'd get the call from the person who was wanting to do the right thing because uh, somebody was suddenly expecting unexpectedly, uh, things like that. And my desire is to do the kind of thing you're talking about, to have the counseling and stuff like that. But I also found that for me, and I'm not saying this is the right way, I'm not saying it's the wrong way. For me, I, it was a matter of each individual situation. Um, when I was dealing with people who were living together outside of marriage for years, even having kids, having kids together, deciding because they've been starting to get active in church and giving their lives to the Lord and they want to get married and they'd rather do it earlier than wait longer. It's like, hey, I want to help you do the right thing. You know, I'd rather have them have some type of a um, Christian perspective in their marriage, then no, because I know that they could just go off and go to a judge or go to a justice of the peace mm -hmm. or whatever. And so it's not my ideal to do it without counseling, but I have done it that way before. Okay. All right. Quick question is, has either of you ever turned down someone who came and asked you to marry them? I almost did. And Looking back, I wish I would have, mm. because the marriage ended quite quickly. Mm. Um, it was just is just one of those things where literally I almost said no. Okay, and it just it was like fifty fifty, and I says, well, if they go if they want to go through it, they will. Because at one point the bride, in fact, the bride was an hour late to the wedding because she was contemplating running away. Wow, and not getting married. So, um, but they had a whole church of people there waiting on her, you know, so kind of like an interesting situation. <laughs> yeah. And mine, mine was, I did turn down one because they wanted me to give them a religious ceremony without the civic side of the ceremony. So I would uh, not be signing a wedding license. I would not be doing any of that because they wanted to be married in the eyes of God, but not in the state. 
and you turned that down. I turned that down because I felt like with Romans 13 and other texts, it basically is once I'm officiating a wedding, ipso facto, I am also civil servant at that point. I struggled over that. And when I did my research on it and talked to my leadership around me, they were a 50 50. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't an easy call, but I knew it was the right call only because yeah. there were other ethical situations that came up after that wedding of yeah. why she did it. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I still turned it down. Was she mad at me to the day she passed away and I officiated her funeral? Yes. But did she work with me? Yes. You know, let me, let me just share this part of it too. I think I have in essence turned down requests by insisting ahead of time on certain things. Like ah, gotcha, they're both, gotcha. they're both Christian believers and this is going to be a Christian ceremony and suddenly the request goes away. So well, let me let me ask you that that leads me to this next quick question. This, this you know, this in the main question or anything, but do you believe as a pastor that if you do a wedding that you are approving of that relationship? Hmm, I don't know that I've ever thought of that one before. What do you think, Don? We're all silent here. Um, I, I struggle with this. I've had a couple of weddings, a couple of weddings I've done. I've done a lot and they ended in divorce within just a matter of years. And I could have told you that they were coming. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes I feel like my role is to pastor a church and that includes certain services. Um, and I've given warnings. I took them through premarital counseling, pointed some things out and I, I struggle with that. Um, I don't want to turn people down from seeking God to, to be part of this union that's going to take place. But, um, there are times that I, I think if, if, you know, somebody asked me, Hey, Josh, you think this is a good idea? I would have, <laughs> I, well, I would when, have. when my wife and I got married, the gentleman who officiated the wedding said we shouldn't get married. Yeah. And said it pretty fine. No, well, you didn't have to give away names. <laughs> <laughs> I always remembered his name because it had pizza in it. Yes, it did. And, and what was funny is I saw the gentleman like, I don't know, 25 years later. And I say, hey, dude, I'm still married. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was at least he was down the middle. You know, when when I, I feel with certain couples that I work with, I will raise flags of concern. And what they do with it is their choice. When I raise flags of concern, it doesn't say that I'm totally approving it, but I'm saying, hey, you got some issues here just to let you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And, you know, I think that that's why I like to say every couple is different. It seems like everything, I shouldn't say everything, a, a large percentage of things in my life, I have found myself to be an outlier. You know, the, the best way to get married is, to have a nice long engagement is what they say and a lot of counseling. We did go through marital counseling, premarital counseling, I should say, my wife and I did. But, you know, we knew each other for about two months before we got engaged and we got married uh, about six, seven months after we got engaged and everybody thought it was nuts. And, you know, we've only been married 35 years now. Only, yeah. 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 
Hey, well, let me, uh, let's go ahead and, and, and uh, move to the, the wedding ceremony. I, I, I think it's beautiful. I think it can be spiritual. I think you can interject and, and kind of uh, that God and the relationship with God just kind of flows naturally through each part. So, so their families change and families have changed a lot. I know that's not, not necessarily for the good. Um, and I've taken to change up some things that are traditionally done. One of the things that I always recommend is that the dad doesn't give the bride away, but that the, the families give the bride away. And the reason I've begun to recommend this is because I think, um, I understand the, the significance of a dad giving a bride away. Um, I understand the significance of, of the, the groom's side sitting on one side and the, 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 the wife's side sitting on the other or the bride's side on the other and the groom holding the wife with his arm so that he can uh, protect with his right hand and things like that. There are all kinds of traditional and beautiful elements of it. But the Bible says um, in, the, in, the, in close to the very beginning, what does it say about uh, when this new family forms that the family actually forms a new family? And so what I like to do is I like to ask the mom and the dad of both families if they're willing not only to give their son or their daughter away, but also to accept that the one they're giving them to is now uh, part of that new family and now the, the main uh, person in that new family or one of the main people in that new family. And so I, I just think it's really important um, to ask both families, do you support this new union and then I stress that in supporting this new union, you are relinquishing your right to dictate the terms of this new union. Um, and so I, I've begun doing that. And most people will go with me through that unless they just want a really traditional wedding. But is there anything with the giveaway portion of the wedding that you do or that you like or that you've seen or something like that? I, I think for me, when I officiated my daughter's wedding, um, and in my my hit on it was just similar to yours, Josh. It's more about the family giving her away than just one person. Yeah. So I I had the boys, you know, walk her down the aisle, um, and it it was representative of you know Daniel. This is us as a family giving joy to you, and then afterwards the middle one who Daniel watched play football and. Ian's only 165 pounds, but he always killed guys that were 280 on the field. The middle child, Ian, looked at Daniel and said, just remember the football field if you do anything wrong. And Ian walked away. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, it's, you know, and just recently I officiated a wedding down in Tennessee. And um, very, very, very special um, young lady to me because her dad committed suicide when she was in junior high. And so mm -hmm. I took care of her, you know, for so long and as an extended dad in some ways, in a couple of places that, you know, it ended up that the grandfather and the mother walked her down the aisle and, uh, and just celebrate the gift of her being given away as, as part of the family to another family. So yeah. I think I've leaned more towards family in probably the last 10 years yeah in my first 20 now that i think about it yeah again i'm i'm the uh outlier um just because it seems to me that more of the uh, or a high percentage of the 
wedding ceremonies that I've done have been non-traditional. I mean, a lot of them didn't even have parents there. Um, just, I don't know if it was because the parents were no longer alive. I, I can't recall. I haven't done a wedding probably for, I don't know, about five years now, but um, <clears throat> I can't remember when it was, but I mean, I've done them in so many different settings, outdoor, churches, homes, whatever. Um, a lot of times there's just not that aspect of the ceremony there. So not that I disagree with it. it, it what you saw, what you said yeah. sounds beautiful. It sounds great. Yeah. Well, the next thing I do that I think is important and I always, I, I've always been able to do because I explain how important it is, is I like to do weddings and movements. Uh, the first movement is dad usually walks to the, the daughter down the aisle. I generally ask families if they'll, if they'll do it, but the dad stands between uh, the relationship, stand, you know, keeps it from happening. And then what the dad does, but the family actually does it when, when I talk to him, is the family uh, says, you know what, we're going to bless this new union and dad steps away and he places their hands together. And then what they do with one hand holding uh, the other hand and they're both facing me, I get to talk to them for a minute about the importance of marriage, about how God wants a, portion, a part in their marriage. And then I get to ask them as they're facing me, and I'm kind of standing in for God at that point. Um, I get to ask them if their intent is to take the other one as their husband or their wife. And then they get to hold hands and I kind of fade out of the background. And then I get to talk to them a little bit, but they're making then a promise to each other. So it goes from uh, dad is standing in the way and blesses the union, then God blesses the union, and then they commit to each other. And I just think it's so beautiful to look at a wedding like that in portions or in, in movements that mean something significant. And I think what we get to do in that way is we get to take the focus away from the uh, the, the after event, the party, when everybody gets to talk and dance and everything and put the main focus really, and the money is all spent on the after event as well. And we put the main focus on the ceremony. And I think the ceremony needs to be of utmost importance. Of course, I'm the pastor and it's my role in it. But um, I, I think that we've allowed our culture to make the ceremony into a five minute kind of let's get this over with and say our vows and get to the real thing, which is the party. So how do you fight the tendency to make the ceremony a lesser thing and the after party, uh, that kind of thing, kind of the main thing? How, how do you as a pastor get that through to a young couple that this is the more important thing, um, not what comes, not, not the party after and the throwing of the bouquet and everything like that? I, I, over the ones that I have officiated, I just try to slow it down the day because usually what happens is the day goes by so fast. And, and I've started the tradition in my own brain where I'll literally say, okay, it's time to slow down. Let's take everything in that's going on the moment standing here before family and friends. So I, I have an intentional slowing down rather than trying to speed through the ceremony and the liturgy, as you're noting, you know, Josh, we as a culture are, move so fast that I've, I've started to delineate, you know, listen, even though you want the service to move along, you're going to wish you took a deep breath and just take yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I, I tend to get um, practical. 
So this might be going down a little bit of a side road here, but you know, one of the first things I try to tell the couple, especially if they're able to have a rehearsal, which I always try to let them do, um, or try to insist they do, I should say. Um, I, I tell them, don't worry, something will go wrong. And don't sweat it when it does. Yeah. They said there's never going to be a perfect situation. Uh, and and I, try to, I try to put them more at ease. Um, as I say, I'm kind of more of a, a kind of a practical situation. Again, I love I love the things you're talking about, Josh. Um, but again, I'm the outlier. I I have not had the opportunity to do those things, and maybe part of it is because of my own background. Um, when I got married, uh, my wife, what uh, time my wife to be, had her ideas about what she wanted to have as a wedding. But you know, I was I was Joe youth minister, and I. I knew it all back then. And so I had an idea what I wanted to have as a wedding. And to this day, I sometimes regret some of the regret some of the things that maybe she did just because I wanted to do them as far as the ceremony. And maybe she didn't get to have the ceremony that she dreamed of since she was a little girl, you know, um, yeah. not, not that it was anything bad. She said, even, even to this day, we were talking about this not long ago. She was saying, you know, I, 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 I hate hearing here comes the bride. That's just me. I just hate hearing that song. Uh, um, but that's because that's because the next words are all fat and wide. There's something like that. I don't know. No, but uh, but I hate that song. And you know, she'd always dreamt of that song, but she just didn't have as much of a musical background as I did. And, and instead, uh, she came in to uh, trumpet voluntary. And mm. when we heard the pre-service music, it was Paco Bell's Canon. She hadn't heard that before, but she says, you know, but to this day now. Um, I think she, the way she said it was now when she hears that song, it makes her think of her wedding, you know? So, um, I, I, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of these, these things that you talked about. The one thing that has been different and maybe you're getting, maybe I'm getting ahead, but I don't think so because of the point of the ceremony it was, I did see one time and I have tried to get people to say they would do it. And I haven't been able to get them to do it is to have the, the groom go to the back of the sanctuary to bring his bride to go get his bride okay and uh, i've seen that done once yeah yeah i was not the pastor at that i've tried to get it to happen but nobody really wants to do that yeah it's kind of odd i think or different maybe hey you were talking about you you like to make sure to stress that they're going to make mistakes in their marriage and all there may be things that we stress me i stress the commitment angle and I'll talk about it and I'll talk about it and I'll talk about it. And one of the things I've started doing lately is I'll tell a story of an old Hebrew custom where they used to, the rabbi would, and I don't know how widespread this was. I've heard it a couple of times, but they would cut the, uh, they would take a knife and slice the hand of the wife or the bride and the groom. And then they would place them together to where the blood flowed together. And then the, he would wrap it in a cord. And what he's showing is the two literally becoming one and and what i won't talk about it too grotesquely but i'll talk about it a little bit as you can imagine when those are placed together and the blood mixes that something special is happening and then i'll talk about the reason why it hurts so much when divorce happens is because there was a mixing of beings that happened mm -hmm. and the vow you're making today is not just it's a recognition that in this ceremony and in the acts that follow this ceremony that you have become someone 
that, that used to be two people. You've become a, a new being and it's not, and then it becomes something that you can't just call off. Um, and sometimes I'll make a joke at that point. I remember I married one of my favorite people ever um, and her name was Kristen and her husband or her, her fiance's name was Dustin. And I'll make a joke and I'll say, look, what is happening right now is such a big deal that we really need to begin calling you Creston, um, which is a horrible joke. Everybody moaned and sighed, but it became kind of this idea that, okay, we are now not who we were just even a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll stress that. And I'll think, I think that God wants us to, as pastors, just to really lay home or, or really make it come home that you are doing something so significant here that if it goes wrong, it will affect you for the rest of each of your lives. Um, And and if it goes right, and and we should expect it to go right, and you should fight for it to go right, and you should not let anything come between you and your wife, but if it goes right, it'll make the best thing ever. Um, But yeah, that's that's what I stress. Um, And so I think we all do kind of different things. Don, you stress something in weddings more than other things. I, you know, it's usually it's gotten to the point where my three-point main is so ingrained in me. You know, I usually start with those of you who are watching are not just watching. You're not just witnesses, you're prayer Mm. warriors and cheerleaders for this couple to be successful. And then I spend time on the individual's in in one breath sometimes i'll present the gospel gently if i know they're not true true believers i'll say here's the importance of jesus and why jesus individually and then how you bring that in corporately into the marriage that if you're not individually growing in christ your marriage won't grow in christ yeah and so i'll spend a lot of time i think in those areas um with the marriage um yeah it's you know, I, I, I find there's, I've got two in November coming up in one of them. I know they're both unbelievers and I know I'm going into an unbelieving situation. Um, so for me, it's gospel time. You know, how do I open the door? You know, I'm already praying, Holy spirit, make that fertile, make that fertile for the gospel. Make Don, it- Don is, is there anything for you that makes you feel second guess doing an unbelievers ceremony not really because you're yoking two unbelievers from a biblical Uh, viewpoint i'm not okay okay you know what i'm saying and yeah yeah this particular situation uh the mother was our caregiver you know because chris worked full-time school teaching and the caregiver was so great with uh because my schedule is so random as a minister and i'd call off out of the blue saying can you cover thomas for a while and that she was right there for me yeah. Um, and so, you know, in the un, when you're, for those of you in reconciling grace land, um, from a biblical viewpoint, we as preachers are comfortable yoking unbeliever to unbeliever. It's when it's a believer to an unbeliever is when we have theological debates in our head. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know it, when it's an unbeliever to an unbeliever, what a time to proclaim the gospel. Are, are you, you don't see that as just performing a secular service either. You see that as God speaking into or calling those two individuals. I, I, I see, you know, funerals and weddings are the best time to proclaim the gospel. Yeah, yeah. They're transitional times. There's times where people are searching for what's next in life. I mean, at least that's the lecture I got at Trinity. 
I would teach yeah. at the Evangelical Divinity School, Deerfield, Illinois, for those of you who are wondering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> advertisement, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I remember Dr. Larson in, in pastoral duties, he spent two or three sessions on weddings and how if you end up doing an, you know, unbelievers wedding, gently proclaim the gospel. Know you're the voice of the gospel um, in that setting. So sometimes I look at weddings as as a setting of proclaiming Christ. I'm, I'm glad he spoke about weddings so much because I'll tell you, in my undergrad and my graduate studies, I never got a single <laughs> talk about weddings. It was kind of, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I also say I, I do something as part of it where I, where I drive home the vows and the importance of it is I also ask anybody who's sitting there I'll even say, I'll read it. Now, would you face each other and join hands? And then I'll say, that's, I say that to the couple. And then I say, if any of you are sitting next to your spouse, I want you to invite, or I want to invite you to reaffirm your own vows of commitment by taking hold of the hand of your spouse. And I don't know if you've ever been in a ceremony that does that. It's, I find that that kind of is, is oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> it's going to be me every time. Um, and I had it silenced. But uh I find, uh, I, I don't know. Um, let me, let me with the last thing, cause I know we're running out of time. Weirdest things that happen in weddings, the thing you enjoy the most, uh, the thing that kind of shocks you the most, or maybe a funny story, somebody fainting or something. For me, it's, it's, uh, the things that I kind of roll my eyes at, like I've had a couple weddings or a wedding where, uh, the dog is the, um, the ring bearer, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, I did have a wedding like Pete did where the, the, the bride was about 15 minutes after she showed up to get dressed about 15 minutes after the wedding was supposed to start, you know, just things like that. But what, what, what happens in your, in your kind of weddings? Well, that was my story. So, you know, that um, was it. <laughs> that, that, that was the only, that was really the only bizarre thing that ever happened uh, that I can remember that was worth repeating or that I can remember right off the top of my head. I, I think my favorite will be, um, I've had one, two, three, four different youth groups in four different churches over the years. And a lot of the kids will ask me to officiate their weddings. And one of them, I ended up in Mount Greenwood. And this is all before cell phones and GPS and all that going on. They hired a new chauffeur and the bride took the limo to come to church the guy got lost around midway airport the wedding was 45 minutes late and the young man mm. i had had in youth group and he's walking back and forth and he's looking at me he's going don what did i do wrong is she coming am i going to get married <laughs> and i had to keep talking him down <laughs> you would think they would hire a limo that knew south side chicago <laughs> yeah <laughs> What about um, the last thing? What about the uh, the different kinds of um, unity candles used to be really popular. Uh, now they do sand and they do uh, the, the braids that you tie in three kind of to show um, you, the, you and your spouse and Jesus, you know, you, you've seen any of those that are kind of different? Not so much different. I think that the first time I saw the sand was when my daughter got married and then, um, after that, I'm trying to remember what my son. The used. sand is my favorite one, by yeah. the way. Yeah, um, it but, was it was different. He didn't use sand. I can't remember what they used, but it was something different. His wedding was really unique, though, because they got married. They had to postpone the wedding twice. 
because of not being able to get together because of the government uh, reactions to COVID. Oh, yeah. And so they ended up having to save the date three different times. They yeah. finally got married outdoors on a riverboat. And you have to understand, my son is a big Cincinnati Reds baseball fan. And the yeah. riverboat, we were looking at my son and his, his wife. Uh, over the shoulder was the Reds baseball stadium across the Wait, is that is that a bad statement on a marriage or what i <laughs> yeah i mean they but they, 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 they he's a baseball fan so it was a very yeah i hear you i'm making it i'm making a crack at the reds though Pete. yeah i understand i know that i'm a cubs fan so you can really make cracks at me so for me the the sand is the easiest to talk yeah. about as a pastor um because you pour in the multiple levels and you just show a over the years you're going to move you're going to you know, you're going to, it'll get bumped a little bit and the sand will begin to blend together. And what you're going to have after years and years and years is you're going to be able to not tell yourself from your spouse's experiences anymore mm -hmm. and the kids and all that stuff. And it's just going to all look like one beautiful kind of mix of all of you. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like it too. Yeah. I think my, the one that was most unique happened in the middle of COVID. It was an outdoor wedding for the record. So we were all legal, legal. And they, they used two branding irons, hot branding iron <laughs> on uh, Oak. They had set it up. So it'll be uh, a, a coffee table. And they, yeah. they had the plexiglass all ready to fit over it. It was, it was, in a way, it was sort of neat. The only problem is they didn't get it hot enough. So it wouldn't work. So there they are. They're trying to do it for like 10 minutes. And finally, we're sort of going, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to rekindle your love here in a little while. <laughs> That's funny. Let me, uh, last question. When a marriage that you officiate doesn't work out, do you take it personally? Absolutely. You do? Yes, I do. I mean, I shouldn't say personally but i i feel like i did something wrong like maybe i didn't catch god's leading at first like maybe i should never have done the wedding um okay. you know maybe i missed some type of uh leading by the holy spirit um yeah i've always i've always felt bad if that happens and i don't think it's happened a whole lot to me the the, the truth is a lot of the people whom i have married in ceremonies um i i haven't kept up with and you know they've been in smaller yeah. congregations or they've been what i call walk-ins or whatever and and unfortunately i've had just as many um who have probably died since then as as, as i've had get divorced yeah. So, yeah i i really don't take it personally only because i realize that we live in a land of sin mm. <laughs> and I'm not responsible for the choices they make. Yeah. I can lay out a good action plan, coping plan. And I guess it's my psychology training coming out and they have to take responsibility for it. If they don't, you know, I, I can't help that. You know, right now I'm watching one disintegrate that I'm really grieving over and praying over. I, talk to both sides i'm still praying over them and i've let them know i love each of them both um but it's the reality of sin it's the reality of that battle and you can't yeah. always control people's decisions they make yeah you're right but it's kind of like parents who you know see their child going astray you still feel bad oh, you know? amen. amen yeah yeah all right pete 
Well, um, we've had an interesting talk. I think we could have kept on going, but you know, we don't want to make these things too, too long. And uh, you know, we want we want people to be able to listen to them. I hope that uh, if you've been listening, that this has been edifying for you. Um, you know, three pastors sitting around talking about what it's been like to marry a lot of people during all these times. I always like the joke, um, you know, did you marry these people? No, they married each other, you know, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's the thing is we, we perform the ceremonies. So um, I guess it's time to be signing off. So for uh, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, and for Pastor Josh Kugel, who kind of led the um, discussion today, I want to thank you. This is Pete Becky and we want to ask you to join us again next time for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.